This is the visible hand. My name is Jordi Blanes Vidal. My guest today is Soledad Giardili, who is a lecturer in economics at the University of Edinburgh. Today we are going to talk about her paper, Leadership and Productivity, a study of U.S. automobile assembly plants, which is joined with Kamalini Ramdas and Jonathan Williams. The paper was published in Management Science in 2023. Sole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Ordi, for the invitation. This paper starts in the way that many papers start, which is by citing a paper that is around 20 years old by Chad Syverson that says that productivity differences between seemingly identical organizations are much larger than one would expect. Yes. And obviously, a lot of papers start this way because many different papers have proposed theoretically, but especially empirically, different explanations as to why these uh, large productivity differences may arise. Prior to your paper, could you tell us a little bit about some of the reasons that have been proposed for these differences and, and more specifically, the role of managers in explaining these differences? Yes, definitely. Uh, as you say, most of the papers are motivated by Siverson, and uh, I, I was also planning to quote him, not verbatim, but more or less the same. The literature, uh, there's a very well-established economic literature, as well as leadership and operational management literature, that they've been shown this relationship between management and business performance across various industries and sectors. And I think the most prominent or fundamental foundational uh, work is in this area is the study by Bertrand and Schwartz. Uh, this paper is the first one to document that manager person-specific styles explain a sizable fraction of the variation of firm performance and in particular firms' investment decisions in that paper. Since that paper, a substantial number of papers follow using the same econometric approach or of movie management managers, uh, while others explore natural experiment. I'm thinking here as, for example, Bennettsen, the co-authors 2020, the liberation CEOs, hospitalization. And you also find that there is a significant effect of, of CEOs on profitability and investment, though um, it seems that the, the, the effects are concentrated in the year of uh, the shock, the hospitalization shock. Generally speaking, by the time our project started, it has been already established in the scholarly discourse that top-level managers such as corporate CEOs or CFOs, that is chief financial officer, let's call, it, call them all CEOs, do impact productivity and other firms' uh, level outcomes. But on top of that, we want to know if other managers that not are uh, that are not at the level of C-suite uh, managers. I'm talking about managers at the manufacturing plants. I'm talking about managers at the service shop floor plants. Do also have a say or do also impact productivity. And these type of papers were much rarer. Again, if you want to quote Siverson, there is still a lot of unexplained variation in very narrowly defined industry and our contribution on this paper is basically trying to uh, look at middle managers and whether middle managers contribute to productivity above and beyond any firm effect 
in farm productivity. Did you say when our project started, I I saw from the uh, from the published version of this paper that it was yes. first submitted in 2017. The 2017-2023 period has seen um, an explosion contemporaneous, you know, to to your paper of other papers that are exploring different versions. Yes. Of the fact that the more like middle managers um, also have a an, uh, an effect on uh, on productivity. Often this this effect is on productivity of their direct subordinates. Here, obviously, you know one thing that is different about your paper is that this is a, these are middle managers, but not not so middle. So let's say upper upper middle managers in that they are uh, the managers of plants. One thing that is also that I, I think, but I want you to comment on this as somewhat unusual uh, in your paper is that you focus on the role that firm-specific and task-specific human capital that these managers accumulate places in explaining productivity. Is there any work prior to your paper on this? A lot, a lot, but not much in economics. But the, specifically, there is a lot on this and there is a lot of this research on operational management, on leadership, business, etc. As And specifically looking at the automobile uh, industry, most of the things that we end up doing and most of the control that we add to our specifications are motivated by the rich literature looking at what explains firm's product, what affects firm productivity in an automobile plant. Uh, yes, uh, so the inclusion of these things are merely driven to speak to this other literature. But making reference to your in, in each, the, the, the beginning of your comment, uh, I am very glad of uh, the opportunity to talk about this paper and the podcast. Uh, this is, was a very long process. Uh, I, I have a baby in the middle. I mean, my co- we sat on the review uh, long for quite uh, uh, enormous amount of time because of different reasons. And so now you are giving me the opportunity to redeem ourselves for basically not, uh, or for failing to reference some important papers that, as you say, uh, are looking at the effect of middle managers. So one omission was Lassier, Shaw, and Stanton, for example, that are talking about also bosses. And also, as you also distinguish very clearly, we are here talking about a paper that is the first one to match bosses to teams of about nine, 10 people in a very large service company. So this is kind of the direct uh, supervisor of this team of employees. Of course, they, uh, or they also find that uh, ma- middle managers, let's call it middle, middle managers, do impact uh, productivity and what is more important is that the productivity greatly exceeds the workers' effect on productivity. That was very uh, novel. You mean the peer effect? Exactly. You also interviewed uh, not longer ago Guido Fribel and co-authors. They have a 2021 paper also looking at uh, store managers, so middle managers, uh, but they look at employee turnovers, the the the. Uh, the approach is very different because they use a randomized control trial. And as again, as you say, 
many, this topic seems to be much uh, um, hot now in the literature. I'm very happy for that. We are able, economists are able to gather much richer data about who are these not top level managers. Uh, and so um, one of one of the, the, the interesting papers that uh, appears is um, the working paper of Virginia Mini. Um, although here is more focused on understanding what better good managers do. 2023 uh, working paper of Metcalfe, Solassi and Silverson is uh, very interesting because they are looking at managers and productivity in the retail sector using two big multinationals, one in the UK, another in the US. So, and they explore the same things that we explore in our paper and they go much beyond what we do in this paper. So we were focusing on trying to answer the questions, do middle managers, plant managers affect productivity, impact productivity, do they matter? Um, and we try to combine a, a subset of methods in order to answer that question. So we have already mentioned that the setting of your paper is the automobile industry and specifically uh, automobile plants, which yes. are the, the factories in which these um, uh, automobiles are, these cars are assembled. Can you give us like a couple of features about what what seems to be important in terms of determining productivity in an automobile plant? I mean, I know this is like a super long, you know, just briefly <laughs> a couple of things that are No, that no, are but it's better to have an idea about how this setting or how this industry works. That will also explain the data set that we have and the scope of the data set that we, we, we do have. So uh, again, we look at the automotive industry and in particular automobile manufacturing plants, which uh, are the plants in which vehicles are assembled, as you say. So if you think about the plant, typically you will find various production lines, stations and departments. So these managers are managing a huge amount of people and a huge amount of different departments. And in each plant, you typically... Um, each particular plant uh, typically produce a series of uh, models, a range of models. Sorry, this is because in your paper you are going to focus on the on the manager that oversees a plant. Yes, exactly. There are people. Th these are not the front uh, uh, employees. Uh, they have supervisors. So uh, this is a, the manager of the plant that do have sub managers, if you want, in charge. Exactly. So what managers can do in general, generally speaking, managers oversee the entire uh, manufacturing operation. Um, they need to ensure that the vehicles that are produced follow the quality standards of uh, uh, required by the firm, the company. Uh, they reallocate workers, they are reallocate materials, they reallocate equipment. Uh, and of course, they need to ensure a safe working environment. What the departments inside the plant uh, looks like. You have assembly line workers. So those responsible for assembly different vehicles components. These are guys that need to follow very specific instructions, need to use very specialized tools. You will find welders. So those that basically create uh, the vehicle frame and the structure. You will find paint uh, technicians, of course, uh, 
they paint the vehicles. You will find quality inspectors. So they need to check for defects, uh, for zero desviation from quality standard, and so on and so forth. And the last group of employees that you are going to find in a plant is logistics. So those that manage the flow of parts and components in the assembly line in order to kind of maintain a smooth production process. So to give you a short answer to the, your long question was that, well, managers oversees all these um, departments inside the plant. Something else that I, it was not uh, super intuitive to me, but, but uh, that I learned a few years ago, reading a couple of papers about the automobile industry was the fact that every time that a model changes, there is a super steep learning curve. I mean, you would expect that there is some learning, but uh, but but how incredibly steep it is. What are the sources what, of this uh, need for learning about how to make a new model? What is it that needs to be changed? Because why is it that a car is not a car and we cannot just keep making a new model in the same way that we were making the old model without, you know, uh, without a loss in productivity? Well, our paper cannot speak about this. Uh, we also control for uh, new model introduction because this is extensively known as being very disruptive in the production process. Think about maybe there is a new model that you reuse, let's say, I don't know, the frame of other vehicle that you are using there. But then a very small change in that frames makes that the other things in the assembly line are not adding up. So it is a process that has been documented quite well uh, about um, um, how disruptive is for productivity. We do not look at how, let's say, good or bad managers can diminish this huge disruption. We only document that if the manager that is in charge by the time that a new model introduction arrives do have some experience on that model coming from, an, uh, uh, do have some previous experience on that model, the negative effect is reduced. Where does your data come from? And what is the measure of productivity? Uh, that you have uh, at the plant level okay, or, or at the plant model level, I don't know. We have measure at the plant level and that's the only measure that we use. Then um, uh, this is a well-established uh, measure of productivity in this industry. Uh, it's hours per vehicle. This is basically a metric that quantifies the amount of time that it takes to manufacture a single vehicle. Hours in terms of like labor hours? Labor hours, yes. Basically, you are taking the total working hours and you divide by the total number of vehicles produced. And again, uh, let me repeat, this is a standard. So uh, it, it's, it's really nice, the setting, in terms of the quality of the data, the precision of the data, and, 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 and I think uh, the bulk of our work was to assembly all this data that were coming from different data sources. So the production, productivity, and plant-specific characteristics are all coming from 
automotive trade journals. We are thinking about Harbor Reports, Wars Auto. These are well-known providers of automotive industry in size and data. And then the huge process, the toll of the process was trying to identify who was the manager in every single period that we observe, we observe 15 years of, the, of data, um, who was the plan manager. So for that, um, we utilize uh, different methods. We consult industry journals, we call some car companies and interview automotive industry personnel and experts and managers. Um, we conduct also searches in different local news. The, the good thing about these plant managers is that they are usually publicly announced in local newspapers. These plants employ a huge amount of people in the town they are located. So it's, it's something that is announced. And also companies' uh, press releases also announce this. So that part was more straightforward. But then once you identify the manager, you have the second task of identifying the characteristics of that manager. So we went to use uh, searches, Google searches uh, with uh, applications like LinkedIn in order to understand the gender of the manager, the experience in the industry of the manager, the degree and education of the manager, and so on and so forth. And that took many, many years. So all in all, what we have is looking at the whole U.S. automotive industry for 15 years from 1993 to 2000. Uh, seven, we have the first part of the paper use annual data in our measure of productivity, that is hours per vehicle, and we gather information for the 66 plants uh, that are part of the whole industry and that were led by 115 managers. So 66 plants, 15 years, that's the panel. Yes. Uh, the number of hours that it takes to make a car that's on the left-hand side. Yes. So obviously when that goes down, productivity has uh, increased. You want to study the effect that the individual in charge of a particular plant uh, has on the productivity of that plant. What is the empirical strategy that you use? We use two. Um, so. The first one. The first one. The first one. Um, we leverage on the mobility of managers across automobile plants for identification. So we follow the literature uh, started by Bertrand and Schoar. So this is a two-way fixed effect model. The base, baseline specification is basically we regress our outcome of interest that in this case is hours per vehicle and we add plant fixed effect, year fixed effect, and a bunch of other controls that are time bearing. And we look at the R square, and then in a second um, regression, we add uh, the manager fixed effects. Uh, and we look at how much the R square change from one specification in, without uh, manager fixed effects to the specification in which we do include manager fixed effects. So if you go, I mean, um, you, you, you were mentioning Bertrand and Schoar, that is, yeah. you know, a, a pioneering paper that follows this type of strategy, uh, looking at the CEOs. Um, 
I mean, Bertrand and, and other papers of this type are based on an earlier paper um, by about Karl Matz and Margolis, the AKM, you know, that mm -hmm. you also obviously refer to explicitly in your paper. You know, essentially, all this is just where well, we are going to put time fixed effects, um, firm, in this case, plant fixed effects, and then see how much the manager fixed effects add. Mm -hmm. You have mentioned that that uh, you are leveraging the mobility. I wonder whether you could explain why is it that this um, uh, mobility of managers across plants is important. And this is, uh, and for this, let me present the following um, thought exercise. So imagine that we never observe any manager moving across plants, okay? But we observe that the same plant can have two or more managers. Mm. So there is no there is no mobility, but there is at least substitution. Mm. Okay, well, you, as you write in the paper, um, the plant fixed effects are including in there everything else that happened to the plant. I don't know the location or um, um, the the type of technology that it uses on average or everything. One of the things that the plant fixed effect is including is the average manager quality uh average quality of the manager that is running the plant okay however i'm wondering whether it could still be possible to separate empirically the higher or lower productivity of a manager in a particular plant relative to the average productivity of all the managers that have been in that plant that is it is, you know, in the R squared exercise that you are mentioning, we can still add the manager fixed effects, you know, and maybe they're going to explain a lot, you know. So we, even if there is no mobility at all, in principle, this exercise could still could still be possible, at least mechanically. Yeah, mechanically, but if in order to differentiate, and most of the literature was motivated on that, uh, how much. It is explained by the firm first effect on productivity and how much is explained by the manager fixed effect. You can only use or can only separate these two things if you use managers that you observe in one more than one plant. So this is what we follow. And because most of the literature was trying to relate these two things, most of the papers continue at looking at how is the correlation between the manager fixed effect and the firm fixed effects in order to say something on the line of negative selection or positive selection of managers to firms. Okay, what are the baseline results? What do you find there using this type of strategy? Are managers important? Yes or no? They do. Uh, but let me let, let me also mention, because at some point I think you are going there or probably many of the people are going there when they look at this type of literature or this methodology in particular, because the additive fixed effect specification has been widely criticized uh, um, because managers and firm effect will be biased unless managers mobility is exogenous, meaning that it's uncorrelated with any time varying residual component of productivity. So, 
the short answer is that we find the managers do uh, matter. They explain they explain six to seven percent of the variance in productivity when we include them in our specification. But I think what is uh, important to mention here or to talk about is how even though this is an industry with 66 uh, plant uh, that belongs to different um, uh, firms or companies, I think we, the setting and the riches of our data allow us to go a little bit farther than most of the pure CO literature. What I'm trying to say here, for example, we observe different plants belonging to the same company. So we are also able to include a company year fixed effect because we observe all the plants from four, all the plants from General Motors and so on and so forth. And this will capture any company specific trend that basically may correlate, create a correlation across plants owned by the same company. But we also have a very rich set of time-varying firm-specific characteristics that are mostly under the decision of the CEO and not the plant manager that affect productivity and may ameliorate this bias that I, 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 I quickly mentioned before, uh, that uh, for which the, the, the literature is very, or this methodology is criticized. And when we talk about bias, we are thinking about Managers that are um, higher, uh, new managers that are higher because it coincides with moments of, let's say, high or low productivity of a firm performer, of a plant performer. So, um, if you think about the CEO literature so far, most the, there are very few characteristics that they can include in their specification because the CEO can affect everything. They have much more discretion of touching in every single aspect of the firm. So in our case, we have a lot of variables like a launch of a model, a new model, that also may coincide with the hiring of a new manager. We have the plant experiences, experience producing the current model. We have uh, variety, flexibility, how many parts are, are, are outsourced, uh, the scale of the plan, we can measure the technological level of the plan and so forth and so forth. So let me be upfront here. We are not claiming that inclusion of all these controls uh, makes the econometrics specification bulletproof for endogeneity issues. But we think that we can go a little bit farther than most of the uh, previous CEO literature. I mean, if this is a concern, um, I, I think that there are two ways that naturally come to mind that, that you may um, want to explore how big of a concern it, it is or how much of a residual concern there is. The first one is you said that after putting the manager fees effects, the R squared increases by 7%. Mm -hmm. uh, this is in a model that already includes these controls, correct? The launch of a new model, et cetera. Yes. If uh, if these controls were not there, by how much will the inclusion of the manager fixed effects increase the R squared, right? Because if it increases them by, I don't know, 25%, right? That means that if we didn't have these controls, we will be vastly overestimating the importance of managers. Yes. Uh, which makes us a little bit 
a, a little bit uh, still concerned that maybe if we had a little bit better controls, the seven percent might become three percent, or you know, yes, so that would be that would be the standard way of 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 doing you know the robustness to controls exercise uh, in this type of setting. The second, uh, the the second, you know, way of checking this that that comes to mind and that has a, some people have mentioned in this podcast series because this type of strategy has appeared quite a few times by now. Is a, there is a paper by Card Haining and Klein, um, in which uh, they do the AKM regressions uh, and then they find the manager fixed effects and then. This, um, I, I don't know, the case, I guess, will be the worker fixed effects, but that will be the equivalent here. So, and then they say, okay, well, according to the fixed effect that we have estimated, let's split the managers across two groups, better than average or worse than average or 90 percentile or 10 percentile. And then they go back to the original data and controlling for plan fixed effects and time fixed effects, they do an event study uh, in which they look at what happens in the uh, periods leading up to the substitution of a bad manager by a good manager and vice versa. And then they see, well, was productivity already going up prior to the good manager arriving or going down afterwards? You know, that would be, that would be another way of checking. Of course, if what you are worried about is that the arriving manager is asking for more resources, then these, uh, you know, Card et al is not going to help you, but you know if 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 there is some type of like a like a leading up to it, you know if if changing productivity are predicting the arrival of certain managers as opposed to being um, the consequence of them, then the, then this test can help you. Yes, I agree, and uh, there are many reasons that we may have not. Uh, doesn't look that we follow the standard literature with AKM. Uh, is very problematic to use defects that you estimate for managers, the fixed effect, uh, for subsequent analysis, or you have to be very careful, let me say in that way. Um, in the literature of match employer-employee data, the good thing is that they have a lot of mobility of workers across firm. People just move from one job to another, and basically this creates what um, very big connected set. That this is what the literature. Uh, this is what allows you to identify um, the the manager fixed effect. Think about a multinational that has firm on uh, stores on the north, in the south, in the east, and in the west. And there is a lot of mobility of managers in the north, but they don't go to the south. They don't go to the east and they don't go to the west. So you have diff four different, you will have four different connected sets and you need to be very careful how you combine and how you want to compare uh, manager fixed effect. This comparison of the in, uh, manager in the top 10 of the distribution versus the manager in the 90% of the distribution is very problematic because it's a, a, a connected set specific, let me say in that way. You, there is no way that is you can compare the fixed effect in the north with the fixed effect in the south. And this is also happening in this sample. We will have 15 years of data. We have um, 
15 years of data, 16 plants, 115 managers, but then we reduce the sample to managers that we observe uh, three years in a row in the plant of origin, but also in the plant of uh, destination, and, and so on and so forth. And this reduced the sample to uh, 40 plants and 80 managers. And from that, you, we have different connected sets and our uh, measures of comparison, uh, the interquantile range are based on the uh, uh, highest connected set. So this, uh, this is very technical, and I think um, we didn't go further into that because we didn't want to um, bring other things about, we didn't do anything about classifying managers in, 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 in good or bad. We were just saying, do they matter? And I think that is also uh, the reason why we also apply another methodology with a different data set in order to answer the same question. At the end of the day, um, there, there are many difficulties on this methodology. First is the data access, and that is why there were not many papers so far, because it's very difficult to identify middle manager's identity. Uh, second, the second point is that you need to, to disentangle the manager fixed effect from the firm fixed effect. Um, you need moving managers. And on top of that, you need, you need a substantial number of movements to produce robust results. Uh, if you look at our paper and the details, we have only 32 of the 150 managers that they are, we classify as switchers. This is less than 30%. Right. So, so it's essentially what you're saying is the measurement error here mm. is just too high to be relying on these classifications um, in order to do the type of test that I was, that I was suggesting. Like when you have barely any type of uh, confidence that somebody that you have identified as a top manager is actually a top manager because of the lack of connected set, because you have relatively few observations per manager, um, that becomes a problem. I was also going to ask you, do you shrink your fixed effects in any way? But you have already answered this. It's not, you, you are going to shrink them when you want to eventually take them seriously. But, but even after shrinking them, you don't think that that uh, you know your data is rich enough from an econometric perspective to be able to take these different fixed effects uh, seriously. So let, let, let me then ask you about, because uh, the paper is not called managers. The paper is, uh, says at the beginning, leadership and productivity. So I'm going, I mean, I, you know, I accept that you have uh, convinced me that these people, uh, these people who have a certain job uh, title are important, though I don't know exactly why is it that you are calling them uh, leaders? It is possible that maybe you are appealing to the operations research literature that you or or some other type of a tradition. Um, but I mean, the, the definition of what a leader is and a manager is differs across different people. But yeah. typically, I would understand it along the ways of a manager takes decisions, uh, and the decision can be go there, you know, move to the other side, and so on. Whereas a leader does a little bit more than that, like maybe have some type of charisma that motivates our workers or provides some type of coordination divide in some sense, you know. Like here, it's not 
you know like it could be it could be that these people are just saying, you know what, there is this, they arrive to the plant and they say, you, this worker is wasting time sitting there. Can you move two steps to the left? And that yes. includes productivity, you know? Yes, exactly. Uh, it reminds me of Oriana Bandiera's paper and co-authors about classifying managers in choose as manager, administrative allocation of resources versus leader. Uh, and I think we, we yes, of course, you can, if you read the paper, we try to talk to many different uh, fields. Also, basically, was motivated for the, by the fact that what we think we are estimating uh, with the manager's effect is a, a trait that pertains to these managers. It's not a managerial practice that can move from plant to plant, but it's something that how these managers basically manage to translate whatever decision is made at the top level to the day-to-day -day production function. And the leadership basically comes from the fact that uh, we did, this is very anecdotal evidence, but we did conduct some interviews with employees and with the managers. And most of them were referring to things more on the leadership style uh, literature. Uh, for example, the managers were uh, and the employees were highlighting the importance of communication and setting clear goals. Uh, things like um, plan employees were okay with the tightening up of absentees when they realized what was at stake. Uh, for the plant. So a huge disruption in the assembly line if there is a lot of absentees. One manager was suggesting that it's really important to be a good manager to understand the psychology of the worker, saying that if a worker is unsatisfied, they can exhibit what they mention exactly, malicious obedience, like seeding some future defect uh, that is untraceable. Uh, and so everything was, this anecdotal evidence was in line with things like Hoffman and Tadelis uh, found that when they uh, survey workers and their bosses and they understand that there is an association between workers' retention and uh, social skills of the bosses, with the paper of uh, Bandiera and co-authors, the classifying using CEOs' diaries, classifying leadership versus managers. Um, and, 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 and I think that drives our title. Uh, you said that you have a second strategy to identify the effect of managers. What is that? We, again, acknowledge the problems associated with our first strategy. Um, and we try to look at the same question from a different angle and from, from a different, using a different uh, uh, strategy. So our second approach basically evaluates whether plant managers affect plant productivity, but we leverage high-frequency time series data on plant production. So this time, again, think about manager fixed effect. Think about this, the number of managers that contribute to that estimation in our sample is less than 30%. That for some of the literature, this is huge. For other scholars, this may think that is, is too small. Um, 
But there is another two-third percent of the managers that do not move, and we cannot estimate their manager effects, right? Um, this is because for different reasons. They could be, let's say, um, retirement. They could be that they are promoted. They could be that they move away from the industry. But we don't know if at the end of the day, these 30% of the managers that contribute to, to, to the, the estimation of the effect are very oh, different or similar to all the managers. So what we did is basically now we observe weekly production. We don't have uh, our measure of productivity, but we do have production at the weekly level. Again, we follow the plans over 15 years. And um, we all, all the universe of plants with more than one manager, all of them, it, no matter if the manager is a switcher or not a switcher manager. And what we did there is basically test for the structural breaks. But and in, in a particular way, we tried to look at whether structural breaks in this time series of production coincides with the change in, in the manager within the plant. Uh, and we then complement this analysis with other, with, with, with other things. But I think this is the main um, second part of the paper. So what our estimates are telling us is that we need to allow for manager fixed effect to explain the trends that we observe in production. And whenever we find a structural break, we, this structural way, uh, break on average coincides with the change of a manager. So, so there is a certain methodology that one can run uh, on a time series or I guess on, on a panel as well. Uh, to see whether a specific uh, plant uh, has suffered a structural break in productivity. That is, after we control for all the things, maybe we put some type of time trend or something. Is there any point at which we find that this continuously productivity happens to go up or down? At this point, maybe we're agnostic about what the, that reason may be, but there is a certain methodology that allows you to calculate that. It's something that uh, apparently some type of like a serial correlation in the residuals, right? So if the residual of this year uh, is very strongly correlated with the residual of last year, but not with the residuals of the future or something, that means something is happening around this vicinity of time that is bringing productivity up or down, depending on whether the residuals are positive or negative. Yes. So you run this regression and then you find, oh, wow, there are, there are quite a few structural breaks, okay? Now you run the regression again, but now after controlling for the manager fixed effects, and now what happens is that the structural breaks maybe not disappear, but they become less prevalent, right? Because now you have explained them. Is that, is exactly. that the main logic? Exactly. That's the logic. Not, you not only include manager fixed effects, you also interact with your, all your explanatory variables, your manager, uh, the, with the identity of the manager by that plan. So if we take each plant individually, and we run these two regressions. Why not taking into account managers and the other one in which interact all the variables in our model with the manager? And that means that we are flexible on the, these parameters because parameters varies depending on the manager. And when we do that, 
uh, we do observe that we can explain structural breaks. So, so you're saying that this test is done with high frequency data because instead of having the productivity at the year level, now your panel is a panel of weeks and the and plans. One thing that comes to mind is, well, I will presume that the effect of a manager on a plant is not immediate, right? Like a, when a manager joins, the productivity, the effect is not going to take place the following week, right? In, in fact, maybe the actual official joining date is two months before the manager actually shows up in the plant because for whatever reason, the manager has been seconded somewhere else or is finishing, the, who knows, right? Like they're all kind of, and even after arriving to the plant, maybe there's a little bit of period of checking out what is going on before a diagnosis and a potential set of solutions, you know, is are implemented and all this. So, so is this test actually robust to lax in the effects of these managers on the left-hand side? I do think so. I do think so. And maybe I should explain it in a different way. Think about that. What what do you do? These are per, per plant. You run these regressions multiple times and you compute this Kusum test. Uh, so basically, if you, if generally speaking, you are trying to predict using data up to T, what is the production in T plus one? When there is a structural break, the prediction and the reality does not match. So you go on T plus two and you try to predict based on until T plus one, and then you observe what is happening with the production and what is the actual production and the other one. So the, the structural break, it doesn't, uh, uh, what the structural, structural break is doing is like, okay, now there is a change in, let's say in the slope of this series that is built over time. And we can match this change with the spells of the manager, a new manager spell. So but, what is okay? So we have these two ways in which we have established that these managers matter. Then what? If they matter, what, I mean, presumably this, they are already very highly paid. If they're in charge of plants, what is the conclusion from this? So have to they pay are not actually. The, the difference between the plant manager salary and the and the CEOs is is quite substantial. And actually, yes. Um, so this will be like a you know. A takeaway from the paper, maybe we, we have to, uh, maybe firms might want to um, adapt the compensation packages to take an account of the importance of this type of position. Definitely. I think we mentioned something on that line at the very end. Um, the, the, the limitations of our second approach is that it only allow us to kind of go into the direction of do managers matter whether or not? It doesn't quantify how much it matters. Uh, but we have done some uh, back of the envelope calculations and uh, some of the results I remember was about when there is a disruption uh, that is a huge uh, uh, shock, negative shock on productivity. If you have an experienced manager there, uh, you can reduce this negative effect quite substantially. And we put some numbers there and the numbers are seizable. Um, so the relationship between have, having a good manager at the right time in the firm uh, with some experience in the plant uh, uh, and the cost of the manager 
is important. It could be very cost-effective policy, let's say in that way. Okay, wonderful, Sole. Thank you for coming to the podcast. Thank you for the invitation, Jordi. Please visit our website, thevisiblehand.uk, for past or future episodes that you may enjoy. Uh, introductory music and logo by Daniel Blanciso, episode produced by Anderson Tan. <laughs>